So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy in the King 2021. Happy New Year. How are you? I am pretty damn good. How about you, my friend? Let me tell you, I'm over here. You, let me, you're going to hear this quick bang. Okay, cool. I'm trying to tighten up my microphone stand. Mic, mic check. We getting ready to make some things happen. We got some new things to talk about, like, well, we got new sponsors, new year. Um... We got some new craziness in D.C. Did you see these folks? Um, I am I am watching as we speak, and I am shook. What do you think about that? Like, you sent me a, uh, a tweet, and you said literally a coup attempt. What do you, I, I mean, I know I can read that part, but but what does that, what emotion, what, what comes, you know, what bubbles inside of you as you are watching that? Uh, fury. I mean... This has been stoked and stoked and stoked by misinformation, by lies, by people who are willing to sacrifice our democracy for scoring a a couple of quick political wins with, in all honesty, people that we're going to look back 20 years from now and know that they have been radicalized by a cult. And here we are, and we are watching the outcome of that. And I will tell you what else, and I don't care who I piss off when I say this, if those were black people, Mm. one, they would have never made it to the damn steps, but Mm. the capital would be flowing with blood right now. Uh, Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. The the capital would be flowing with the blood of black protesters. I I absolutely agree. No, I absolutely agree. And, And some might say that, you know, well, that's a bit hyperbolic you know that's a bit of a that's a bit of a stretch you know that blood would be flowing that the police would have acted in some sense of violence but i mean think about it we got 
you know, folks last week that were a guy killed in Ohio two weeks ago with a Subway sandwich or something of the sort in his garage. I mean, Julie, I think about, you know, for me, the emotion that comes out is, you know, I I just imagine. I, I think of all of the different things that we do, how we move as black men, black women, black children. As, as brown men, women, children, I think about just how we move through life and we could never, never get away with what we are witnessing um, on the steps of of our Capitol bill. We could never get away with that, ever. No, no. I mean, think about the summer when we had the, the was it Lafayette Park or Lafayette Square um, protests and they moved everybody out with tear gas and rubber bullets so the president could come and hold the Bible. So he, upside it's, down, upside down, upside, upside down. down. Yep, yep. So there is, there is, when you say hyperbolic, not you, but when some people might say that I'm being hyperbolic, we have proof. Yeah. We have proof. Absolutely. And it's irrefutable proof. And if you don't choose to see it, that doesn't mean it's not there. Which is the problem. And we're going to actually talk about that a little bit later in the show, because Julie and I decided that we wanted to do ours a little bit different. You know, a lot of people want to do predictions and, you know, God bless them. I absolutely get it. Uh, but I smile and I talk about think about what we just went through in 2020. Um, what we, we we're going to talk about what we want to leave behind. But you're absolutely right. You know, it the, the examples are absolutely there. They are clear. And if it if it requires that you are still being spoon fed some degree of understanding that you need someone to prescriptively write out step one, two, three, four, up to 10 in terms of example and why you should see it a particular way. Uh, I don't know exactly, you know, what your frequency is like. There are just some very, very glaring disparities in equities and how. Uh, activities and justice is played out. And what we are witnessing on uh, the steps of the Capitol are that. This is what we are witnessing is uh, Proud Boys stand back uh, or stand down and stand by. Proud Boys stand down and stand by. Now, everybody that's on the steps of those Capitol, uh, on the steps of the Capitol building are not members of the group. You know, I saw a couple of cornballs. I got to be honest. I saw a couple of cornballs that wouldn't be able to bust a grate in, you know, in, in any type of, type of fight. But because they are in this mob, they get the, the opportunity to run through. I saw a guy wave at the camera. I'm like, shouldn't your ass be in a science class someday where you don't know you, you, you know, good and goddamn well, you don't need to be in the steps of the Capitol building because if some stuff pop off. You'd be the first one running and hiding and trying to duck and get up under something. But but because they're in this mob, that the adrenaline is running, and mm-hmm. what I'm afraid of is that adrenaline uh, acting out in a way that it causes people to lose their life. Like as much as they piss me off, I don't want to see these folks lose their life. Like take nope. your ass back home. Nope. You know, it, look, there's another election two years from now. Like go home. I don't want to yeah. see the people lose their life. Yet I feel like. That's exactly what's going to happen. And it's it's uh, it's it's disappointing to me for real. Yeah. I mean, that's always been the beauty of America, right, is is you go on to fight the next day. Absolutely. Because we have agreed to take this dream and and take this republic and and make it work because we've agreed to be able to disagree and to work 
not always well together, but without breaking it. Yeah. Um, but if we want to talk about a, a little piece of adrenaline um, on the other side, we had some big news this week or some big outcomes that are very positive for diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have our first Jewish senator from the great state of Georgia in the also the youngest senator, I believe, um, besides Joe Biden to be elected at 33, uh, John Ossoff. But he and is sharp. I got to tell you, he is, you know. He's tightened he, up his game. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, so wait a minute. I missed something. You said he's tightened yeah. it up. See, I must have caught him after everything is polished and um, he took a couple of nicks and bruises, huh? He did. His first campaign was in the House two years ago and, and he just... He wasn't there yet. He okay. Couldn't get concise. Couldn't couldn't quite get it together. Okay. Um, he will be a model of future political um candidates because he ate Purdue's lunch, concise, yeah. tight, on message. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, yeah. He so, was when I say he was sharp. You know, like I I caught the one debate where uh, Purdue didn't show up, and so they they fairly asked the empty podium, the question, no yep. response. And then they went back over to Ossoff. Um, but I seen him on the stump. I seen that one clip where he eviscerated the uh, Fox News host that wanted to try to corner oh. him in. And, yep. you know, he just, I mean, he, it, the dude was really tight. But that just goes to show you that, you know, even if in fact you, you don't necessarily succeed, you, you keep moving. Which is part yeah. of the reason why so many people uh, have such fond appreciation for Stacey Abrams. She lost mm -hmm. on a very yep. big, big scale, but then went on to say, nah, we lacing up our boots and we're going to just register folks to vote. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Stacey Abrams, queen of the day. Yeah. And I will say king of the day is uh, Senator-elect Reverend Raphael Warnock. Yeah. Um, Pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, pastor to John Lewis, uh, on the same pulpit that that Martin Luther King stood in his church, becomes the first black senator from the state of Georgia. But look at how history kind of just rested there, mm -hmm. right there, like history being beat and going through all that they went through in the South in the, the 50s and the 60s and to see all of that come out of the very same church of a figure who lost their life for, in part, being able to vote is so, I don't even know the word that, that I think should be associated with that, but it's, I don't want to say fortuitous. Uh, I, I don't know the word, but it, just the symbolism of all of that coming from that pulpit, incredible. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me was when they started to run uh, some of the old clips and you saw Kelly Loeffler uh, standing mm -hmm. in that pulpit yet a year before. Okay. So here you are, you're campaigning and you're in this man's church and certainly nothing's wrong. And, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's this, he's that. It, which is part of the reason why I struggle with politics. I struggle with things like religion. I struggle with things that are not two plus two. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I know that one plus one over here, you and me, two voices, 
can't refute that. They ain't, it's not one and a half. It's not one and a quarter. I struggle with that inconsistency. I struggle with things where there's just so much room for people to kind of deviate from finding a, a, a line of definition. And so I'm glad, though. He is absolutely, what'd you call him? The king of the day? The soldier of the day? King of the day. King of the day. King Love the it. Day. Yeah. Yep. He, he has earned it. He, he absolutely has, has. He absolutely has. So uh, good stuff for the folks in Georgia. I'm so glad that you all turned out. Uh, and my hope is that in our elections going forward, that you show up the way that you showed up for the 2020 election, as well as this particular runoff. We broke numbers like the country broke numbers in November. Georgia broke numbers here in January. And this is what I hope happens, you know, as we go forward. Not that we are fighting to take the, 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 the vote away from people, but that we are making it so that people can participate in this democracy. It's a yep. beautiful thing when we allow people to fully express themselves, not be afraid of how that expression comes through. That's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see 70, you know, three or whatever it is, million people vote for a losing president. I want to see that. I want to see 80 million people showing up for the win. I want to see historic numbers uh, being driven. So you are absolutely right for calling it out over in Georgia. Good stuff for real. Yep. 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 So one last point on that. Let me just say the first thing that the House should do when we come back into session after the inauguration is pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill. It should be HB1. I put my line in the sand there. And remember, this to all my white people out there, just because you feel like the worst is over, the work isn't over. Yeah. We still have to lace up our boots and do the work every damn day. Yeah. And right behind that, I'd love for them to put the anti-lynching bill up. I'd love for them mm -hmm. to put up reparations and we can keep going down yep. the list. And hey, real quick, yeah. uh, I don't want to uh, spend time on it, but if you're not a subscriber of HR Dive, they're not a sponsor of the show or anything like that, but they do deliver some incredible stories on a, you know, really a daily basis. If you sign up for some of their newsletters, they actually put out a, uh, a recap, 10 stories from 2020. Uh, and I wanted to just simply highlight, uh, they talked about in one of those 10 stories, Twitter paying, they, paying their ERG leaders, which I thought was interesting. And I, I think it will be something that a number of other organizations are going to uh, latch on to, you know, because the bottom line is building uh, employee resource groups, business resource groups, affinity groups. That's some, that's some, it's some involved volunteer work. And so Twitter has decided that they wanted to pay. And then another story that really caught my eye as a reminder, and I absolutely forgot about it, but invisible disabilities are becoming more top of mind for employers. We actually talked more about it in the workplace. Julie and I had more conversation about it in 2020 than we did in 2019. And just as I said about voting, I want to see us talk about people with hidden and non-hidden disabilities. Uh, or abilities, if you, I want to see us talk more about that even in 2021. So quick plug for hrdive.com. Yep. I think that uh, mental health is going to be the jam this year. This, this is finally our year. So I'm just going to, again, there's another line in the sand. Um, so I love 
what you brought to the table for this week's show. You want to set us up? Uh, so let's get into this week's show. So as I uh, mentioned a moment ago, I said, you know, it would be really different. And actually, Julie and I, when we were ending the year, we, we took a couple of weeks off. Uh, we can call it a sabbatical if you'd like. Uh, we took a couple of weeks off. And right around that last week of the year, uh, we sort of decided that we were going to, to talk about our predictions. And actually, I had got a phone call from Hung well, not a phone call, but I got an email or a tweet. I can't remember from Hung over in London. And he wanted me to, to, to come on to one of his uh, uh, recruiting brain food sessions around predictions. And you remember, Julie, I don't know if you remember, you were like selfish. She was like, look, don't give up all the goods. <laughs> Julie was like, look, don't tell him everything. You know, I'm sure you're going to have some good stuff. Don't tell him everything. But see, I didn't tell you this. Your husband, he actually hit me with a tweet. Uh, I'm sorry, a text. And he was like, Torn, give me a prediction. Oh, I know. Oh, okay, you know. So he was like, give me a prediction for 2021. And so when I responded to him, because that's my man, I responded to Hung too. Uh, but when I responded to Chad, I was like, you know what? Why don't we do something different? Why don't we move differently? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what we feel people should leave in 2020. Like, yes. don't even think about it. If you want workplaces to be better, if you want your participation and allyship to be better, if you want to show that you are growing, if you want to show that you are committed, then these are some of the things that we feel you should leave in 2020. Now, this won't be an exhaustive list. Well, but we got some things on there. So your first one is purity test. Now, when I hear that, I think of Quakers. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about when we talk about purity tests? All right. So a purity test is the expectation of perfection. As in, if you have not your entire life been pro-LGBTQ or um anti-racist or completely understanding of system systemic racism or systemic misogyny. Yeah. And you've said some stupid things and maybe they're even unintentionally stupid things, but they're still stupid. Then it's like, you just don't get a chance. Right. And I have heard it that like, if, if you have that history or if you've screwed up before people of diverse backgrounds are tired of educating. They're tired of being patient. They're tired of getting, waiting for white women and white men to get it right. I hear you. But the one thing that I have learned this year is that none of us are perfect. None. And we need to expect more of each other, but that includes ourselves. Yeah, but I mean, again, and when we think about these purity tests, they are absolutely draining, to be quite honest. They are draining and they are paralytic because if in fact we can't live up to what it, what it means to, or what is perceived to be pure, what it, what it looks like to have been prepared enough, if we can't live up, up to that. And I talk about it often from stage. If you can't live up to that, then people retreat. They retreat and they don't give their contribution. They don't share their creative value. They don't deposit what it is that they're, uh, they've experienced and, and, and at least put it out there for other people to, 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 to toss around, if you will, or, or to build off of, 
or, or to show as a validation point. They don't feel like it's valuable enough. And so I absolutely feel like the purity tests are are um, demoralizing in many ways, paralytic and others, and we can definitely leave them in 2020. Like, I think you said it best, meet people where they are. Yes. And people who are not there yet also need to be patient with those of us who've been explaining ourselves and listen and have an open mind. Yeah. This this is a two-way street, right? I understand the frustration on this side because I live with it in a way every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, this is a great place for us to insert uh, a new advertiser. So real quick, before we run the ad, why don't you let the people know who they're about to hear from? Um, we would like to officially welcome our newest sponsor, Jobvite, to the Crazy and the King show. Love that. Take a listen. Really quick, before Torin and I hop back into the episode, have you heard about the new Jobvite? The social recruiting innovator is now the end-to-end TA suite leader, helping TA teams attract, engage, hire, onboard, and promote the talent they need to succeed. But built specifically for talent acquisition professionals, the Jobvite Talent Acquisition Suite delivers an unmatched depth of capabilities from AI to DNI, recruitment marketing to applicant management, new hire onboarding, employee referrals, internal mobility, all with next-gen analytics to help you prove the value you deliver to your organization. Whatever your recruiting challenge, Jobvite has a solution. Visit jobvite.com slash C-A-T-K today. Again, jobvite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Now let's get back into the show. All right, cool. So now that we are back, um, the bottom line for me is enough of the kicks and giggles. Let's drop performative allyship in 2021. You know, we know that a number of organizations made declarative statements or they made press releases around the importance of Black Lives Mattering or or increasing uh, DNI as a value statement, as a core tenant. A number of companies did that. Fortune Magazine actually uh, put out an article on December 14th of 2020. Uh, and in that article, they talked about 640 large publicly traded companies. And of those 640, 101 list diversity and inclusion as one of their handful of core values. Just 101 out of 640. But even worse than that, even worse than that, when you start to look at the 101 companies, only 21% of them uh, have C-suite executives, um, you know, where, where, where women account for some representation uh, of their C-suite executives and members of their senior management team. Um, and at the other companies, so I'm talking 101 of the 640, 21% have women represented. of the other 400 and something have the same. So for me, it's like, we're not doing enough. It's, it's cool for you to not necessarily put out a statement. And I'm okay with that. If you're not comfortable putting out some sort of a declarative statement, dropping a press release, I'm cool with that. I know where you stand and not putting out a statement doesn't mean that internally the organization is not working. That's not what it means. It just simply means you don't want to be external facing in your commitment. But what I 
despise is you're putting out the press release and the statement and then your activity, your actions. They don't they don't reflect what you are saying that you're committed to. That performative allyship's got to go. Yep. And this is the year that we will hold companies accountable, right? And what, when I saw getting ready for the show this week and I saw that you put performative allyship as one of your leave behinds, one, I couldn't agree more. But then something happened on the first week of the year that really, really got me worked up that I think is so in line with it is, um, as you know, Prop 22 passed in California, um, which means that basically Uber, Lyft, all those kind of things can can take over in different ways and you don't have to provide certain benefits to employees. It's more complicated than I want to get into. And companies like Albertsons and Vaughn's grocery stores cut all of those people that they begged and pleaded and and said were essential workers that they couldn't live without, that the country couldn't live without, so they can go with gig workers. Mm. Right? That, my friend, is performative allyship. If you are always worshiping the bottom dollar, mm -hmm. that is performative allyship. If you are demonizing collective bargaining and unionization, that is performative allyship. If we don't empower the workers, we will never change anything. And the people at the top will continue to make statements, they'll continue to talk a bunch of shit, and the people who need to be at work and the people who need the chance to grow and provide and become the professionals that they're capable of are going to pay for it. No, and real quick on that, just to close out, since you mentioned unionization, here's a quote from Isaac Clarencia. He's a senior site reliability engineer who has worked at Google since 2010. He says, quote, it used to be possible to raise your voice internally and maybe get Google to change some decisions. Now it seems harder and harder. We should be able to raise our voice and it should not only be about the bottom line. So absolutely show up, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. What's your second point for leaving things behind in 2020? So it was de demonizing collective unions or okay. collective bargaining and, and unions. And I, and I think that also goes with a purity test. Yeah, absolutely. Because we are stronger together. Yeah. We are not perfect together. But when all of these, as long as we continue to allow the 1% to divide us, we will always be weaker. We should never be pitting people with disabilities against black women, against Hispanic women, against black men. We should not be doing that. And when we get into these purity tests and we refuse to work together for the collective good, yeah, we are losing. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think the other thing that I want to see us leave in 2020 is fragility. I want to leave the book behind and I want to leave the emotional posture of fragility behind. Let me give you an example. I was actually on Twitter and uh, I'm not going to call this person out because I don't know them. And, I, you know, I, I think that they mean well, but but it serves as an example. So on Twitter, this particular person 
uh, I believe, is Chinese. And they were trying to register on a platform. And so they were able to enter in their first name. And then when they got to their last name, which was YU, the system didn't accept that. It needed to be at least three characters long. And okay. so first name is put, put in. Last name is YU. And for that person, the workaround is to just simply hit the space bar or to put a dash in something that would signal to the platform that it's three characters being taken up. And so for that person, they took a screenshot and then they put it up on Twitter and they said that this is racism. And I said to myself, this bullshit, (laughs) that ain't racism. You, You know, it's just the matter of not having the right people sitting in your engineering, uh, your dev team, that's, that's, the, that's the reason why we need to have representation. But that in and of itself is not racism. That's being fragile. That's an example of fragility. And when I say leaving fragility behind, I'm, it's tongue in cheek when I say the book, but I mean for black folks, for white folks, for people that are brown, people that are Asian, people that are Middle Eastern, people coming from LATAM, people coming from EMEA, doesn't matter to me who it is, we shouldn't be soft and consider everything to be racism. Racism is dangerous. Racism is ugly. Racism takes people's lives. So I don't want to to, uh, water it down and attach a word that is so extremely strong and potent. I don't want to attach it to something as minuscule, as menial as a programming language. That, that's the reason why I'm using that as an example. Let's, let's really reconsider how we classify some of the things that we are experiencing. Let's reconsider w- what it is that we think is making us upset. And why, in fact, are we really getting upset? Are we getting upset because it's true? Are are we getting upset because we haven't done anything about it? Are are we getting upset because we are equally as guilty? We just haven't had our cards shown yet. Why, Why honestly are we getting upset? Try not to be in your feeling. Try to look at the situation and the scenario through a lens, through a desire for us to be able to make progress. Stop being so fragile. Yes. And, and that goes for white people too. Absolutely. They all need to learn to listen better. All but there. I do agree, right? There, there are ways to handle things, right? I mean, let's, I don't think it's racism, but let's just assume that it is, right? That, that this person went through. He could very well have brought that to the attention of this company. Hey, we need to have two letters, whatever, right? Because probably the default setting. It's surely not intentional, you know, again, assumptions. Um, and then if they, stood back and said, nope, Americans don't have three or two letter last names. That's racism. That's different, right? That's a conversation that needs to be had. But when you can correct something that's easily correctable by having a a considerate, moderated conversation and education session, then you get rid of it for everybody instead of just putting everyone on the defensive. Yeah. It's silly. It absolutely is silly. And in this particular instance, this particular tweet at the time of recording has 324,000 likes, has been retweeted 29,000 times, and almost 3,000 people 
have commented. So that's the reason why I think it's like it's a challenge when we are taking a position. And and I don't know, you know, how in the world a tweet like this gets that. I haven't gotten three hundred twenty four thousand likes on every tweet that I've sent out over the last 10 years combined. This one tweet has more. It's amazing. And so, again, we are perpetuating something that is it just takes away from when racism really shows its face. It, it shows us as being, you know, less than, um, to me, honest, less than in tune about what it is that, that we are classifying as being racism. You have one more, and I cannot tell you how much this one makes me smile. So I was reading an article from Morning Brew that David Bernstein from JobSync sent me about where companies are focused on recruiting in 2021. And the lack of recruiting at the HBCU was a focal point of this this article I was reading. And it made the list because we have for too long dismissed the quality of an HBCU education. And I want to say that that HBCU education is going to be reflected in the vice president's office. It's going to be reflected in the new senator from Georgia's office, those diplomas or those degrees are going to hang there and they have every bit the quality of those Ivy League degrees. They absolutely do. And again, when we think about HBCUs, for me, I smile because I'm saying to myself, you know, as long as I've been in the space, first and foremost, ever since I've been recruiting, I've always looked at HBCUs. Ever since I've been recruiting, I've always looked at HBCUs. I have a book titled Rip the Resume. I saved the domain name Rip the Resume December of 2008. And when I saved that domain name, I saved it with the intention of focusing on HBCUs. And so here we are 12 years later, 12 years later, and we're still, and that's 12 for me, we're still trying to justify the value of an education from an HBCU whether or not it deserves to be seen in the same conversations. Um, Listen, I think that those individuals are equally as smart uh, as their counterparts, and they're going to show you. um, You know, that's that saying, Julie, I can show you better than I can tell you. So -hmm. they're going to show you. They've shown us, and they will continue to show us. And I'm so appreciative that you recognize the value of the HBCUs. So last thing we're going to leave behind in 2020 and it is all yours my friend absolutely stop taking information to authority take authority to information uh, uh say it again mean? yeah stop taking information to authority take authority to the information and this is on the heels of what i just said a moment ago around fragility think about what it is that you are complaining about think about what it is that you are raising or trying to bring attention to think about that And before you talk to a superior, the hiring manager, the head of uh, talent, the person who handles uh, the chief marketing officer, the CFO of the org, before you have a conversation that's one of complaint, of devolving away from the mission, something that's uh, uh, a bit of a pause, take the extra time to think about that and bring some solution with it. If you notice that something is wrong, If you notice that people are absent from certain conversations, 
If you feel like the women are being overtalked in meetings, if you feel like people are taking credit for other people's ideas, what's the solution when you bring that up? How do we mitigate that? How do we mitigate uh, people being shut out in Zoom conversations? How do we get people more involved instead of just complaining that so-and-so is not being heard or so-and-so is not speaking up? How do we get them involved? Come with some solution. Take authority to the information. Let's make people's jobs a bit easier and more engaging through 2021, not just the same old, same old conversation of complaint. That's what I want to see us do. I love it. Let's keep it in the uh, in the mix for 2021 in terms of talking about it and having those solutions. But it also leads me to the perfect segue for our name drops. Give them to so us. So first name drops of 2021, um, someone who did take authority to the information, Miss Stacey Abrams. Yes, indeed. Who lost a very tough race, is governor of Georgia, um, who I am now calling the Marquet de Lafayette of Georgia's new purple status, Ms. Stacey Abrams, thank you for showing us how it's done, how to win, how to win with grace, how to win with integrity, and how to be the kind of leader that we should all be striving for in 2021. And my first name drop of 2021 is McCole Garrity. Um, she's on Twitter at Social McCole. Uh, back in December, December 17th or so, she put together a list, a list of 250 HR, HR tech, DEI and recruiting leaders and influencers from all around the world. And when I was scrolling through the list and I'm not a big list person, like I didn't even retweet it. Sorry, McCole, I didn't retweet it because, you know, I don't want people to think that the only thing that Torrance sends out is something related to him. Um, so I didn't even retweet it. But when I read through the list, literally scrolling through the list, I said to myself, this is probably the most diverse, most comprehensive list that I've seen of anyone. Like, I loved that she hit like all of the, I mean, not all, but she hit the regions of the world. Um, so many people on there that I did not know, I, I never even heard of. Uh, and, you know, you can always tell when when it's somebody new to they're new, Julie, to the to the limelight, because like they don't even have a professional freaking photo like the joint is like an iPhone photo sitting in the backyard up under a tree somewhere. <laughs> and you can tell that they crop somebody ass out because you can see the hand still, you know, or the shoulder uh, of the person they were standing next to like they. Like, wow, they were surprised. Like, McCole reached out, said, I want to include you in this list. They got to scramble to get a picture over to her. They're not getting any shine. There's so many unsung heroes that are out there doing great work, doing incredible work. And I appreciate McCole, Social McCole on Twitter, Social McCole for putting together that list of 250 so people. Love it. And as we wrap up today, again, just a big welcome to Jobvite. Gusto, thanks for continuing to support us. Um, Jeff, Allison, Ashley at the Jobvite team, you've been awesome to work with. We're excited and appreciate your support, and we're excited to support Jobvite as well. So welcome. And in the words of Alvin Ailey, the creative process is not controlled by a switch you can simply turn on or off. It's with you all the time. 
I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to make sure you find your voice. Be a better human. Let's create better culture, better teams, and better workplaces. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom. But do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and, and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.